the Lord God's spirit is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me, he has sent me to bring good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim release for the captives, and liberation for prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and a day of vindication for our God, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for Zion's mourners, to give them a crown in place of ashes, oil of joy in the place of mourning, and a mantle of praise in the place of discouragement. They will be called oaks of righteousness, planted by the Lord to glorify himself. They will rebuild the ancient ruins. They will restore formerly deserted places, and they will renew ruined cities, places deserted in generations past. Foreigners will stay and shepherd your sheep, and strangers will be your farmers and vine dressers. You will be called the priests of the Lord. Ministers of our God, they will say about you, you will feed on the wealth of the nations and fatten yourself on their riches. Instead of shame, their portion will be double. Instead of disgrace, they will rejoice over their share. They will possess a double portion in their land. Everlasting joy will be theirs. I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and dishonesty. I will faithfully give them their ways and make with them an enduring covenant. Their offspring will be known among the nations and their descendants among the peoples. All who see them will recognize that they are a people blessed by the Lord. I surely rejoice in the Lord. My heart is joyful because of my God, because he has clothed me with clothes of victory, wrapped me in a robe of righteousness, like a bridegroom in a priestly ground, and like a bride adorned in jewelry, as the earth puts out its growth, and as a gardener grows its seeds. So the Lord God will grow righteousness and praise before all the nations. This is the word of the Lord. Yeah, I loved both the icebreaker and um, uh, what Meg just said about uh, moving to a new place can um, cause all sorts of emotions and sometimes conflicting emotions all at once. Um, in some ways, I think that kind of sorrow bears witness um, in our bodies and in our minds that um, our desires and our actions have been deeply sown into this exact place. Being uprooted wouldn't hurt so much if our roots weren't deeply sunk in and if our hearts weren't so formed. And I think our hearts get formed by sounds and shapes and impressions by uh, weeks and years of worship with the like exact hue at this exact time from these exact windows with the acoustic quality off of this beautiful red carpet. Um, and of course, the engine from station five was right on cue uh, during one of our songs. Like our worship normally happens with that sort of interruption or uh, when you come in, you're probably greeted by some round of familiar faces of folks doing their dog walking or grocery shopping or passing through routes. So when we were planted here by the Lord for the display of God's glory, we didn't really know 
all of these things. We didn't know a lot, but I, I think we intuited that we needed to become obsessed with learning how to be a church in this place. Uh, Bell Hooks uh, wrote, the challenge these days is to be somewhere, to be somewhere, to belong to some particular place, to invest oneself in it and to draw strength and courage from it and to dwell in community. The last nine years have all been about this challenge these days. In the next however many into the foreseeable future will still be about that challenge. When we finally realize that we weren't going to be able to purchase this building or stay here, uh, that we'd have to find somewhere else to gather. Uh, I had so many sympathetic friends like get in touch with me or, or just even in conversation and be like, I know a church across town that is available. Or like, you could do this, you could do that, you could move out to wherever. And these ideas were all born of kindness and received as kindness, but none of them were really that seriously considered um, by our leaders because our calling has always been here. I've often told folks over the years talking about our origin stories that we had a place to be before we even had a church community. We still have a place to be. Our call in this place is to grow in our attention, our desire, our care for these exact people in this exact place. Uh, theologian Willie James Jennings talks about the early church kind of gaining fluency in a place. He says, they come to love the people. They love the food, the faces, the plans, the practices, the songs, the poetry, the happiness, the sadness, the ambigu ambiguity and the truth, and they love the place. That is the circled earth those people call their land, their landscapes, their home. Speak a language, speak a people, God speaks people fluently. Part of the ways that we've worked towards some sort of fluency or the road to fluency and rootedness is by trying to create a culture and rhythms of worship and fellowship in this place. The, the, these rhythms are open enough to plug into quickly. Uh, I think probably many of us have experienced that. All of us were visitors at one time. But also supportive enough to actually find home. This makes me think about some of these practices. Potluck, <laughs> our, our observance of the liturgical year, and our creative learning and engagement with the great cloud of witnesses, these y'all these saints. These are group practices that we've come across or uh, grafted into over the years that are growing our ability to express and experience hope, healing, and hospitality here. They, they teach us, like Potluck has taught us, how to be guest and host simultaneously, expecting to meet someone who might embody Jesus across from us or linking with someone whom we might have nothing else in common with apart from Christ. Um, the liturgical year has taught us to, to take seriously and to shepherd our emotional and spiritual lives around and grafted into God's story. And the y'all saints, I love those figurines uh, by the garden, are growing our imagination for the ways that God calls and God makes 
holy ones in Christ in different times and places. These are all things that we'll continue to do even though we'll leave this specific building and continue our ministry and life with God together in the shopping center. But they are, they are all born from our reading of Isaiah 61, what Gary just read. When, when we gathered right about now in the summer of 2014, we're doing all the things that core teams trying to plant churches do. Um, there were a lot of post-it notes involved many, many whiteboards, and um, we were so stuck on trying to come up with a compelling mission and vision, something that was enough for this um, calling that, that we were sensing was like a very specific calling. So we were spinning our wheels a bit, but then we, <clears throat> we turned to Isaiah 61 through Luke 4, because these are Jesus' words, and it was so exciting. We were enthralled by it beginning to imagine ways in which that story might connect and might fuel and might fund the story that God was continuing to write in this neighborhood. I didn't know it then, but now I know that God was giving us a watchword. Does anyone know that, that phrase, a watchword? Yeah. So Andy Root talks about this in his recent book, When the Church Stops Working. Watchwords were used in Moravian churches in the 14th to 18th centuries. And it's like a narrative way to guide a community. Long before like, the corporate world of mission and vision statements, watchwords were easily memorable slogans that could be repeated by a bunch of people to reinforce a culture to encompass a much larger story and to, to connect God's story with our story. So watchwords aren't like a password. Passwords are meant to like keep people out. Watchwords are meant to gather and to fold in. A watchword is a, a word to discern and to keep watch together. We watch out for the times and the ways and the opportunities for that word to mobilize and for our story to grow together. Dr. Root says, it's a shorthand story of beauty and encounter, a watchword. An example of this, in 1956, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was starting to get more and more threats as his movement began to grow, and um, his mission statement, if he had one, was probably something around the concepts of equity and civil rights, all very good things. But a, a phone rang late one night in his Montgomery residence, and he and his family were threatened very specifically with firebombing and assassination, and he was so shook by this. He went to the Lord in prayer at his kitchen table. There's all these stories in his memoirs about meeting with God at that kitchen table. Um, and he heard God speak to him. God told him to stand up and that God would be his strength. And MLK heard God say to him, when there is no way, I'll make a way. When there is no way, I'll make a way. That simple phrase doesn't seem very powerful on the face of it. becomes a watchword for the entire civil rights movement of the 50s and 60s. It attaches the, the boycotts in Montgomery, the marches in Selma, the direct action throughout the whole South to the story of the exodus and the God who saves in dire circumstances. The story grows and builds and continues as Jesus hearkens himself back to that story and links it with what will happen at the cross 
in the empty tomb. What always happens around this table when we gather and we remember the exodus, the taking, the blessing, the breaking, and the giving with the, the Passover, with the God who makes a way where there is no way. You can see how this, this little phrase unlocks this big story. So similarly, over the years, we've kind of, we've gained this watchword together. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of God's glory. I think that's our watchword together. I think that is what is guiding and animating in the whole of Isaiah 61. It attaches us dynamically to that story, the vivifying work of Jesus' hope, healing, and hospitality in this place. You see, every time you, you see or you say oak, it is a reminder of what you are and what we are becoming. It is a reminder of the work that we are joining God in in this place with all its beauty and all of its pain. With neighbors who have real faces and in whom we encounter the gifts of God and all their difference and complexity, this has been our work for these nine years. Based out of, but not at all contained by this building at this ridiculously dangerous intersection, right? Um, and I think this will be our work into the foreseeable future, just a few hundred yards away over in the shopping center, embedded in that community of joy and beauty and also pain. I love this slide shows the baby oak planted on the hill. Um, it was kind of secretly also replanted because the first one died. Uh, <laughs> so be honest, you know. Um, but now it's thriving. And, and I love also, you see in that, in that picture, the seasonality of it all. You, you know that plant is thriving when it turns orange and yellow and then it comes back to green, right? Well, we don't have time today to exhaust all of the ways this watchword works and has worked in our community. I want to share a few of these memories which are forming us and for which we give thanks. <coughs> um, this is curated. This is better than me just like uh, screen sharing my Google photos and typing in Lakewood and then just taking us through the last nine years. Trust me, you don't necessarily want that. Um, but I think about uh, verse four. They will rebuild ancient ruins. They will restore formerly deserted places. They will renew uh, ruined cities, places deserted in generations past. We came into this place um, that in some ways was Decline, but on de in decline, but also was inhabited by our neighbors um, at the time, Kanu, now Mount uh, Monte Sinai, and also um, Gospel Baptist. This is a great picture of a one-year-old Titus and a three-year-old Noah um, as we are restoring the cabinetry and uh, developing our vision of oak. Um, there's also, um, this is just one of many pictures of tearing stuff up. Uh, of which we are entering into a new season of tearing stuff up just around the corner, and many of you have been involved in that process. There are a lot of pictures of Ned on stepladders. Uh, um, the next picture is one of my favorites. It is the Pepto-Bismol pink bathrooms, um, of which there are two side by side, and it kind of looks like something from The Shining. Uh, um, thank God that we can restore places and renew and renovate. Uh, 
the next one, um, well, there's these side-by-sides. The, the bike stand um, was actually the old Lakewood Baptist sign that had uh, long passed its relevancy, and that got replaced with something that has become useful for our neighbors uh, on bikes um, and strollers. And then the other one is uh, Will Pershaw with the benches that he built. Um, it's hard to even imagine years later um, the front of our church without a place to sit. Um, and um, often I walk or drive by here and there is someone that I don't know sitting on those benches. It has become kind of that mustard seed place of rest and respite. Um, also, at one point, didn't put this in the deck, um, there was a like five and a half foot garden snake that came out and blocked our path out of here. That happened on those benches as well. Um, and then this renewing, restoring vocation is always connected to what has been here. This is Nan by Faye's Rose Garden. Um, this uh, was from a, a member of Lakewood Baptist Church, and these roses continue to grow both apart from our effort but also with our, our uh, cultivation and our care. Um, and lastly, the garden. Uh, there are too many garden pictures to put in here, but here's Shirley with some monstrous garlic, uh, a huge haul. Um, yeah, this renewing vocation can be beautiful. Um, I also always want to put a little asterisk on it because it can be really threatening in the wrong hands or with the wrong motivations. It can be immensely life-giving, uh, but we have to like attach that to a, a Philippians 2 framework, a, 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 an emptying um, uh, framework the way Jesus has emptied himself that he might also be exalted. It is, uh, Paul says in Philippians 2 that we need to think about others better than ourselves, more than ourselves. So before there can be filling, there has to be an emptying. Before there can be growth, a seed has to fall to the ground and die. Good Friday has to always precede Easter Sunday in a church in this place has to be attentive to all these rhythms of change, attempt to hear testimonies of people and honor the presence and activity of a God who has been here so long before us and will continue to be here after us. God will always outlast us. So even though we're moving, God is not moving. God is surely with us, but God is also here in this place and will continue. God includes us in this hopeful project of healing and to do that well, it has to be humbling, there has to be discernment, and we have to connect with people so that we can become the sort of people who can be trusted to faithfully shepherd renewal and to partner with God to renew all things, even in this place. Uh, I also think of verse 5. Foreigners will stay and shepherd your sheep, and strangers will be your farmers and vine dressers. Did not know what that was going to mean for us and still don't know what it will always mean for us. But these are literal shepherds um, uh, from our first year with our friends from Gospel Baptist. To be a church in a, in a place is to learn how to be good neighbors and to be consistently challenged with this sort of paradox that we need to rely on God to give us everything. We don't, in some sense, have enough. We need God to give us what we'll need, but it also means that we're always going to be encountering people who will show up and will have gifts, will have contributions, will we'll, we'll maybe come to us as a stranger or a guest, but at some point can become a participant, can become 
family. Over the years, we've been recipients of so many of these gifts. Shepherds like these, um, our friends from Gospel Baptist, you can go to the next, the next slide. Um, <laughs> partnerships with our friends from uh, Kanu or Monte Sinai. This is right before a pandemic happened. This might have actually sparked a, a whole pandemic right here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we were also, in the er early days, we were, we were just bolstered by dear friends who wanted to chip in. Uh, this is this is like a, a joke that writes itself about like a tenured Duke professor and a ordained Anglican priest who meet each other to spend the night to uh, watch a pig for a pig picking. Uh, thanks Don Taylor and Father Mike Boone uh, for that. N not ever part of Oak proper, but always participating and helping and there are too many to make slides for all of those instances. Or more recently, we've been surprised and gifted with the friendship of Tasu and Chan and Ananda and Amara. Uh, this is a picture from July 4th, two years ago. Two years ago? Two years ago. God's work in one place always spreads and connects with other people in other places. These networks spread out their roots and branches. Our place in Lakewood makes this possible. Uh, I, I've always admired Tim, Tim Sorens. He directs the um, Parish Collective. And, and he writes about this closed place, this neighborhood, this parish uh, where the church is, that the parish is the playground where God can invite us into practical hope. The parish is a playground where God can invite us into practical hope. Isaiah's vision of God's kingdom bursting into a place by means of a messianic people is precisely about this invitational and immensely practical hope. Hope that is being built by a coalition of neighbors and friends and strangers doing everyday things together and building trust and equity and care into our common life. Um, another one that is taking shape and. I think I'm figuring out more of a theology around this, is uh, verse the first part of verse 6. You'll be called the priests of the Lord, ministers of our God, and they will say um, this about you. Pastor Meg preached a sermon a couple weeks ago about this place where we are right now, this in-between threshold place, a place of uh, liminality. And um, to be called priest is to be kind of permanently fixed in this threshold middle space of liminality. But with God, with people, between God, between people, it is an in-betweenness. It is an, uh, a with our neighbors and also on behalf of our neighbors. So being a church in a place is meant and will mean standing in this generous, overflowing, and abundant place. It means speaking blessing and hope and offering healing and help and extending mercy and making room all on behalf of God. It means inviting folks in a community which is slow and sloppy and deeply beautiful stuff. Lastly, being a church of neighbor priests means serving as representatives. This is a sacrificial way of being. It means that 
We gather for worship not just to get our God fixed, though I think when we gather, we, God gives us everything that we need. But it means that when we, do, when we gather together, when we come here, when, and, and I've heard uh, pastors say that Sunday morning is always a Saturday night cho- uh, choice, right? When we make that choice to be together, when we come here from where we've been all week or where we've been in the morning, we are representing our households. We're representing our families, our roommates, our neighbors, and our friends. We are bringing them to Jesus in prayer in no less of a real way than those friends who were desperately brought to Jesus, who desperately brought their main friend to Jesus. They dug out a roof and lowered him in. That's, that's a way to be a priest to your house, uh, even if that's just in prayer. It, it feels kind of abstract, but that is a very real way to be a priest. You see, I think collectively doing this as a church of a bunch of priests, um, church history calls this the priesthood of all believers, right? But if we really do this, if we figure out how to do this as neighbor priests, it's a really non-consumeristic and non-coercive way to be a church together. It just means that when we show up to God, we show up as ourselves to be with God for others because God has shown up to be with us and for us in Christ by the Spirit. It also means that when we share the good news, when we gossip the gospel with our lives, with our neighbors, it's never really an effort to change them or to get something from them or to make them into our own image, but it's rather to open them up to the massive love of God by giving them a glimpse at just a a cracked but mending icon of God's love, something they can look through not just at and see God. This has been happening here over these years in a real and routine way. Every Wednesday morning on the front steps during midweek morning prayer, we've, we've learned how to be present with God on the front porch. Um, you kind of have to like pray a little and then pause when a big truck goes by um, or pray with your eyes open as you uh, see and meet uh, folks to improvise and respond um, to to people in the spirit. Uh, it also go, go back to the previous slide. Uh, one more back. Um, it also has happened so many times over the years as we've sent people that that we we act as priests, um, blessing and sending uh, these folks who have been so vital to our community and who will be vital to their new places and their new people. Um, And they also act as priests on behalf of Oak, representatives, emissaries, folks sent um, uh, to to live in God's spirit. I I think of two other key, like, specific instances. Um, First one is that liminal time of parking lot church where we were all gathered in camping chairs outside, figuring out how to be... um, for those of us who gathered in the morning via Zoom, how to be with other people. For those of us who gathered in the uh, shopping center, um, uh, how to be with people that we've never met and how to put these two congregations that God was forming back together. Um, I also think of uh, Pentecost 2017. This is like one of those times where we uh, had awesome 
best laid plans to worship with our, our friends from Kanu and um, to sing together a, a multilingual um, worship service uh, celebrating Pentecost and the outpouring of God's spirit. And when we showed up to the church building, there were uh, gun, gun shells strewn about and caution tape. No one could even get to the building, so we met in the parking lot. You can kind of see in the very top back, you can see the, the tape um, of, of that instance. And it was, it was chaotic, but it was also a beautiful uh, way to kind of throw out our plans and respond uh, to what God was doing in the place. I can go on and on down that chapter. Um, in fact, I kind of wish I'm, I kind of messed with the, uh, the bridegroom section and had some pictures of, of Brian and Elizabeth's wedding in there, but we'll skip to the end. Uh, it's a great exercise if, 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 you, um, if you can this week go through and, and, and kind of overlay uh, what Isaiah is saying. Um, and what God has been doing here um, in and through your experience. And verse 11 says this, uh, The earth puts out its growth, and a garden grows its seed, so the Lord God will grow righteousness and praise before all nations. The slide has our, the growth uh, represented by the Easter cross each year, um, and God's faithfulness, and God's variety of expressing that faithfulness. Uh, each season, all nine of them. Uh, I also love, uh, I love how these pictures keep coming back around and compound and shift and change, and the images just are slightly told slant. Uh, the next one is a picture of our first, uh, our first intern, Joey Morningstar, channeling Van Gogh's Sower, um, and then in a more recent season, uh, Ananda also sewing uh, in the same place. Um, and lastly, uh, Pastor Meg with her um, uh, beautiful crop of uh, transfiguration wildflowers um, uh, in this garden. For good things to grow, there needs to be soil. And uh, Thomas Cordes preached a couple weeks ago about the soil and about how God is generous to the point of absurdity in sowing if we just tend to this place. So we give thanks for the time that we've had here on this ground. We also anticipate the ways that God will continue to grow good things in us, around us, sometimes through us, sometimes even in spite of us, down the road in this next season. Will you all pray with me? Lord, it is a humbling thing to uh, be a part and to also at times just sit back and watch uh, the ways that you are working and the ways that you are growing good things, the ways that you have formed a people and um, the ways that you give us um, invitations and challenges uh, that we might trust you, that we might walk with you and that uh, we might um, double down on the idea that you are going to be with us and you're going to give us everything that we need. Um, Lord, meet us in our sorrow, meet us in our anticipation, um, and continue to uh, build and grow and make us healthy um, and, um, and fruitful. We pray all these things in Jesus' name.
Amen.